Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Alan, your podcast host. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but we are not just a podcast. Stay Forth Designs exist to help leaders get healthy and reach sustainable impact. You don't have to burn out, flame out, or have a moral failure to continue to lead as God has designed you to lead. You'll hear this so many times here on this podcast, who you are matters more than what you do. If you're a leader who abides well, who lives well, but maybe never has the impact to somebody else you compare yourself to, not only is that okay, but that may be what God has designed you for. We don't want to get in the comparison trap that leads us toward pushing hard, driving at all costs, succeeding and white knuckling both our faith and our leadership friends. We have to figure out how God has designed us to live and lead uniquely out of our own unique design. We're going to continue to talk about themes here on this podcast that are at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical, practical ways to help you live and lead as God has designed you. We've got two free opportunities for you to grow in your leadership. The first is called Tuesday Tune-Up. Every single Tuesday, we send tips that in five minutes or less you can implement into your life straight into your inbox And we want to give you those practical tips. The Tuesday tune-up, just a little tune-up each week can go a whole long way if you continue to apply that to your leadership. You can go to TuesdayTuneUp.com. You can also find that in the show notes to sign up to get that free in your inbox. The second free opportunity is the Right Setup community. We have an incredible group of leaders having some amazing conversations. We're talking about the books that you're reading, the podcasts that you're learning from, one thing that's changing you this week, something you've had an opportunity to do that stretched you. What about experiences that are shaping you? Um, What are leaders struggling with right now? What are leaders learning from? Who are leaders learning from? Those kind of conversations are breaking out over on the right side of community. It's safe, it's protected, and it is free over on Facebook. Go ahead and like Stay Forth Designs and apply to be in the free right side of community. Friends, we want to join you there. We want to go deeper from these podcast conversations, and we let you behind the curtain of things we're processing as a Stay Forth team and things you should be processing too if you're going to live and lead as God has designed you. Welcome back to the podcast and enjoy this episode. Well, friends and podcast listeners, this is literally a miracle. And I know that comes off the tongue easy, but I am talking with a friend, a right sider here, a coaching client that I've been in a relationship with for some time, talking about the deep things of life and leadership and has walked near death for the last five and a half weeks. And now we are having a normal conversation and we just have to bring you guys into it uh, over on the right side of community and also on the podcast. Lathan, it is so good to see you, my man. So good to see your smiling face. That's for sure. Man, I have missed this. And we've seen updates from your amazing wife, Serena, and Facebook posts when we can. It has been a ride. For you. And so first of all, man, I just want to celebrate that you are alive, that God already is using your story. Um, God has used your story in the past and is sort of adding this chapter that is going to um, just bring so many people to understand the love of Jesus. God has been very near, very kind to you in the process of a really, really, really hard, painful season for you and your wife. So why don't you just take us back to yeah. where you were? 
and um, how this terrible process started for you. Yeah, so I was playing, it all started out, I was playing softball, regular Thursday night, like I normally do. Um, playing soft, The team we were supposed to play forfeit, so we played kind of inner squad, six on six. I was playing left field. You've seen how bigger I am, so me playing left field is a little bit of a comedy show. Um, and I went, chased after a ball, and that's literally the last thing I remember. Like, everything else has kind of been filled in the gaps for me. Um, I apparently ran smack dab into the post of the fence, hit my head on it. Um, and so my wife picked me up from this place, which is literally probably like 45 minutes from our house. So she had our, both of our boys right at bedtime, got them in the car, drove to come pick me up, then dropped the kids off of the grandparents. And we took, we went to the ER and when we were at the ER, we found out that I was born with a brain defect essentially. Um, and what this brain defect is, it's the medical term is Chiari malformation. If you don't know what that is, even paramedics don't apparently. So that was safe. Um, but <laughs> this Chiari malformation is essentially my brain was pushed into my spinal cord. And so my spinal cord was leaking spinal fluid um, and my brain was sucking up spinal fluid, which it shouldn't. Um, and it was causing a lot of swelling in my brain. I'd assist in my brain. And so, they, my doctor and my, my, so the doctor there and my primary doctor basically said, if there are no symptoms, let's not worry about it. But after I saw my doctor that night, all the symptoms came, lightheadedness, nausea, vomiting, chills, um, double heart, blurred vision, all those things. Found myself in the ER. This is more than just glass. That's a great podcast <laughs> moment right there. Was that you or me? I think that was you. I think I think that was Morgan Freeman that just came into our <laughs> podcast interview. So great guest. Really strange. Um, so I don't know where that came from. Um, but I was in the ER, met Dr. Andrade, who I didn't know would save my life in a couple of days. Um, and then two days later, I was in my first emergency brain surgery. And so had that Chiari surgery as the first thing. And then basically two weeks later, they said, Hey, you're good to go. And I didn't feel good to go. Like I knew something was wrong, but I was super pumped about the fact that I was going to get to go home. So I was like, sayonara, I'm out of this place. Um, and the same nurses and doctors that I would see literally four days later, I was saying goodbye to, and they were like, never come back here again. And I was like, bet I promise you I won't. Yeah, we're rejoicing, yeah. right? When we're seeing yeah, Facebook posts and yeah, I can't wait to talk to him. And man, yeah. hopefully this is a fast recovery. It was done, right? It was done. And then I went home and I had Tylenol on my couch cushion and I had an alarm to figure out when I was taking Tylenol. And um, I just could barely walk, couldn't move my neck, couldn't do really, obviously couldn't hold my kids or anything like that. I, I knew that because I'd work from a stable so you taken out, but um I just didn't feel right. Like I, I was like, is this really like Lathan now? Like it just, just mm -hmm. half shell of who I am. And my only two destinations were my couch and my bed. And so that was life. And um, my wife had to go to work. And so she decided she's going to drop me off at my grandparents so that I could sleep a little bit longer. And that night at my grandparents, I got shortness of breath and mm. um, nausea and just a headache that would not go away. And I'm, I'm, I tried Tylenol, I tried everything to get this headache to go away, but I felt like somebody was literally taking a hatchet on my head. Mm. And I, I know people probably have migraines, but like, I've had migraines, but it was the worst imaginable thing. Mm. So my grandpa called the ambulance, found myself back in the back of an ambulance. Um, and I just remember feeling like, real, 
like are we really going through this again like uh, is this my is this my reality and <laughs> the paramedic was not the most knowledgeable guy um and so he he pulled me wheeled me into the er and the the doctor was like what's his what's his diagnosis and he said oh he just has a small headache and i was like you gotta be getting like i had brain surgery and I no way i'm here for just a small headache um and so i found myself back in the er with the same er nurse that admitted me my first time um and he just kind of gave me this look like you again and i was like i know i'm i feel the same way um and they put me in a room that was essentially a room of he's probably going to be here a while so we're going to keep him in this room until we have a bed and my doctor came in that room and looked at the back of my neck and said we need to do surgery today like this is wow. not um and turns out he couldn't do surgery that day. So the first thing in the next morning, I'm getting wheeled back down to the OR and they had to cut skin out of my neck to get an infection out from the first surgery that happened. And then two days later, I, Andrade, so we have the, the, the third surgery who did the first surgery as well. He comes in and he looks at me, smiles, hey, how you doing? Um, and I have, they were gonna put in what's called a pick line that day to basically give me antibiotics so I can go home. Like that was the plan. It was. He had a second surgery. We're going to put a pick line in him and about will be administered at home. And then he's good to go. Two surgeries is fine. And Dr. took one look at me and said, uh, called his, called his uh, surgical assistant and said, hey, can I do surgery today? And she was like, no, but tomorrow. So again, first thing the next morning, I'm wheeled back down to the OR. And he put a permanent shunt in my head because my drainage was so bad it was leaking out of my neck. Um, mm. And so I had three, three surgeries, three brain surgeries in five weeks. Um, I was in the ICU. I almost flatlined. I, my, my wife was basically through the grace of God, the paths weren't crossed, but my wife was going to be told to plan for a funeral. And so like these, wow. these moments in these weeks that took place um, to be out of the hospital now for a little over a week and be talking to you and feel like normal is just radical. grace. It's, it's unbelievable. And there are people meanwhile who are fighting, praying, battling alongside of you for your life yeah. um, with Serena. I mean, there's hundreds of Facebook comments that came in during that time. About a year to the day, as we were at about 12,000 feet in Colorado, I found myself at the, that exact same spot with a group of leaders leading an experience. Uh, I sent you this, but I want to play it now. This is the prayer that I was literally praying over the spot at 12,000 feet. Pray for full healing. God, from the top of this pass at 12,500 feet, I pray this out to you, God. Hear our cries for Lathan, for a speedy recovery. They would be stronger in the future than he ever was in the past. May it be so. Amen. So that's what I was praying for you and to be at a spot that God had spoken to you a year earlier about your future ministry. Did not feel like an accident to be there with another group of people mm. that and surreal to be talking to you now as normal Lathan. Um, yeah. And yet you have been through life and near death mm. uh, since then. What did it feel like to know so many people were, were battling and praying uh, for you and for your life and for your recovery? Uh, it felt like the English language has not figured out words um, to depict and capture the gratitude. Mm. Um but on the other side of the coin, what I've really come to notice is the floor that I was on in the hospital was easy. They, they call it the heaviest turnover floor. And it's not because people are quitting. It's because people are dying. Mm. Um, and I realized that 
the people that were praying for me, the same amount of people are praying for the people that are in the other rooms. Um, God just didn't answer the prayers the way they wanted him to. And so you saw person after person in a body bag just, just wheeled down the floor, the, the floor. And what I've noticed is, and what God really taught me in that, in that space was, if I didn't get the answer, if, if, if people praying for me didn't get the answer that they wanted and, and I was a body bag, would God still be good? Like, would he still be worthy of worship? Would he still be, would we still cling to him as much as we do when he is good? Um, and I think that's what was most potent to me was seeing the sobs and hearing the why gods come down after the body baggers rolled down. And just thinking, man, these people begged. Like the same people that are begging for me were begging for this body too. Um, and the answer wasn't what they, the flesh wanted. Um, but is God still good? Is, is, and, and if I don't end up making it, which honestly, Alan, I shouldn't have. Like if we're honest, is God still good? And, and yes, he is. And just this idea of it's really easy to worship God when things go our way. It's really easy to tell God that he's good and he's worthy of worship when we get the answer that we've been praying for. But what about when we don't? Is he still the, as good of a God as you said he was when he answered the prayer you wanted, the way you wanted him to? Mm. Wow. How are you different six weeks <laughs> later than you were? Uh, um, man. I think I have had a greater appreciation and a better understanding of who I am, um, of what God created me to be. Um, every nurse and doctor that came in would just say something is different. Like would they, they would just like see me and say like, you're, you're different. Like you're not the norm of what we see, like something's different about you. Mm. Um, and just understanding and internalizing that, which I had the time to, cause I was in the hospital for 24 sure. seven, sure. um, sure. internalizing the mm. calling that God has put on my life, um, and not wasting it, not, not. Um, being apathetic and lazy and all these things that I was pre-post pre-burn surgery. Um, but now out of the hospital, and it could be the fact that I've been hungered up in the hospital, but my productivity has gone super out of the roof because I like what God was telling me in those moments I've internalized. And I haven't just like, for me, I have really, I have a hard time accepting affirmation. And so I hear things and I'm like, uh, yeah, cool, whatever but a greater appreciation for affirmation in, in that hospital bed of understanding the calling God's put in my life and actually acting on it and not just like thanking God for it. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah. And I can't, I love talking to you today and I can't wait to read uh, your descriptions and writing thoughts from that hospital bed and you're already touching a lot of lives. I mean, you describe yourself as, oh, lazy and apathetic beforehand. You're leading ministry. You are hosting a podcast. You're reaching a lot of people. So I don't know who you're comparing yourself to in the process. <laughs> of Myself. Number one. But number two, the the sharpness that you have right now for the mission that you already had before is mm -hmm. going to be really cool to see that collision. One more incredible um, an almost heartbreaking chapter of your story um, added to that. And uh, one of the things I thought about as Serena posted is that we do hard well in our family. And uh, to walk with you, we've seen some cool mountaintop moments and we've seen some of the valley floor um, yeah. together. 
And um, I'm excited to see how God continues to use your story, even this you know really horrific, painful time for you, your wife, mm-hmm. um, and your kiddos uh, in mm-hmm. the future of so many people. So, Lathan, first of all, celebrating with you. So glad to see you alive and yourself. And secondly, cannot wait to hear how God uses this story. My man, it is so good to see you. We've been praying hard for you. It's a miracle to see you, let alone to have you here on the podcast. Uh, Love you, man. And I'm with you. Love you. So good to see you.